0: Uh, yo, uh, yo, yo. yo what's good you're listening to sin 90.7 keep keep hop keep hopin on this damn
1: you you get me the easy one you're listening Hello, hello, hello. My name is Matt, and you are tuned in to the hip hop show on Sing. Uh, what you're about to hear is a, a part of a conversation I ha- was lucky enough to have with an artist called Kuka, K-V-K-A, um, who is signed to Mirage Records. Which added on the back of the release of his brand new record, Cupid's Revenge, which is a super interesting, eclectic hip hop record um, filled with you know aspects of trap, aspects of lo-fi indie, even aspects of house and dream pop and things like that, all intertwined, and it's a fantastic record that he's super proud of um understandably and it's doing super well so be sure to check that out and i hope you enjoy the chat we had firstly obviously cupid's revenge um finally out there how how are you feeling how's the response been so far
0: um dude i'm so so fucking happy man i I don't know if i can swear um i'm really really happy with it um it's just been a long ass journey bro like i feel like a lot of times, the albums that I'm working on, I'll work basically getting it up to like 80%, and then something happens and it just doesn't come out, or it doesn't come out the way I want it to. Um, and to some degree, it did happen with Cupid Revenge in terms of like we did, I think we originally want to drop it last year, and then COVID and everything happened. So it's like it wasn't perfect, but that time really gave us enough breathing space to like build it into what it is now Mm -hmm. and like build it into more of like a cohesive story of like me making it out of this really dark point and like trying to expose people to myself and this my struggle and who I am how manic I can be as well
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's sick. I actually was going to say about that because I feel like in 2018, 19, you had a bunch of singles that all had that kind of Basquiat-inspired art style, which I assume was supposed to lead up to an album which never quite came to fruition.
0: Yeah, so that is, like, basically, like, the story of my career, bro. Like, (laughs) I always, I, like, get, as I said, it gets, like, 80%. And then something happens. And I feel like, unfortunately, it's a lot to do with the New Zealand industry and how it works and how, like, there's sort of that, like, tall poppy syndrome as well. Mm. So it's like, if you're trying to do something too crazy, everyone will cut you down about it. And I think that was the thing. I was like, I was dropping those Basquiat and how it works. And, like, from there, like I was going to do like, I, was, I had all these songs and like they were just super eclectic and the whole purpose of it was to be super eclectic and I think no one really understood it. So, but I think like every time that shit happens, bro, it's like, it's all a blessing at the end of the day because like, I get more time to develop my craft and I think within the last two years I've really, really
1: grown into my own. So I'm really happy about it to be quite honest. Yeah, for sure. And you say like, always you're going one way and then something happens like just reading about your career it's like raised in born in Zambia grew up in the UK for a bit then New Zealand and now eventually made it to Australia um you said that you kind of felt maybe slightly limited in New Zealand was that what brought you over here or what what was kind of that mood for
0: yeah no 100 percent. it was limitations it was but I, I don't I don't I'm gonna sound like I'm just sort of blaming New Zealand because it really isn't that. Like, Zealand's a wonderful place. And I think given you being in the right industry, it's a wonderful place as well to build. But in terms of creativity and what I was trying to do, the glass ceiling was just so low because I didn't want to go to a major label, like straight away. Like I wanted to build either independently or find an indie label and trying to find an indie label that has, like, a level of funding that you can actually do something with in New Zealand. is crazy because, like, arts funding doesn't really go around that much. It kind of ends up in the same sort of pockets that it always does, and you see the same artists getting the exact same funding every single year. So I think I just needed a place where, firstly, the playing field is a bit more even um and also just like the market was just way bigger there's enough space for more than one person like i think that's the thing you use up there's like four or five people and there's not enough space
1: for anyone else yeah and now you've made it over to australia the indie label that i guess you've you've come to is mirage records right so how's how's the energy over there how, how are they treating you
0: <laughs> Dude, it's so sick man like I've worked with a couple of labels. I've I tried to build my own like indie label, so I definitely understand how like running one label works, and how working with like a semi major label works as well. And like the just like the creative freedom that I have with them is something that I don't think I've ever gotten, even when I was running my own stuff. it's like I feel like there's always like an expectation to follow what's out there and what's in the market. But for them, it's like it's really not that. Like like I've talked to them about doing an indie rock album, like made house songs, I've made like any type of music that I feel like making, I make and because of how it got the like, their style as well as um and like Cass's knowledge of music and how his background in music comes more from, like, hardcore music and hardcore rock. And I used to listen to hardcore rock and punk metal and stuff like that. So it just really blends really well. And, like, I just have a huge respect for them, like, a massive, massive respect for them. Because, like, it's not easy doing that shit. And, like, I literally came to Australia and Henny was probably the first person that hit me up and actually... Worked with and made, we made a, a whole album, like a, like a tape in 12 hours when we first met each other. So, me and him just had a crazy energy. And Cass is just like a really lovely dude. And I really trust his ear and his taste and everything like that. So, it just works really well, man. And just, I'm weird as hell, I'm, I'm manic, I'm eclectic, I want to do what I want to do when I feel like it, and they just manage with it, and like, I love them for it. So I couldn't ask for anything better, really, even, yeah,
1: I really couldn't think of anything better super ideal and i yeah i mean that comes through on the record because i mean i suppose maybe towards the first half you get more of the i wouldn't say typical but like um palatable like uh, trappy infused crooning auto-tune stuff but then you get a whole lot of experimentation the further on you fall into the record um and i think what's yeah. interesting is that there is like obviously a lot of vocal manipulation whether it be vocoders or autotune and things like that which not only makes it super melodic and catchy but it kind of raises the um like the intensity or like importance of the moments where that kind of goes away such as like on cupid's interlude and on the the moment in fast fast i think it's the second verse or something like that where you just absolutely erupt um and what kind of made you decide to just fucking explode on that one
0: (laughs) well like um a lot of things like i was I, in terms of all the emotion, trapped to track, it's like, I might not necessarily be talking about something super aggressive or like upsetting, but that's just how I was like, I'm just walking the seat super me and like, that's just what came out. <laughs> and the greatest thing with Fast is that um, my biggest song that I've ever made is Song Who You. Um, and I did it with this guy, Tony Douglas and me and him are like a falling out similar story situation, made like an album for Falling Out. He had all the stems and it just was its just a craziness, yeah. Yeah. So I haven't worked with him. I didn't really talk to him. We had like mad beef and then I kind of grew a lot during the time I was off standing here and I was just like, it's not worth it. I'm like, yeah, so he sent me this beat and it was fire and I was just like, I'm just going to go as crazy as I possibly can as I kind of like paying homage to, like, how we used to be and, like, who you and how I was at that period of time. Um, and then it's just, like, just a massive fuck you, like, really. <laughs> like, the, what I was saying at that, at that point of the record of row was a huge, like, it's just about Hamilton and, like, people trying to, like, flex on me and, like, shitting on me and, like, me just being like, bro, I do not, like, I don't want to be like you. So it's just like, I had to kind of go crazy on this. Yeah, but I was just trying to have as much fun as possible and I feel the aggression through just how you're delivering it. Like, that's the shit that makes you go crazy. So I was like, I have to go crazy. But yeah, no, it's crazy that you picked up on like, you mentioned the fact that there's a lot of like, distortion and like, vocal manipulation in the whole album. I think just generally, I'm very like, I don't necessarily like my voice, just as is. So I've learned to like manipulate my voice to not only be how I wanted to sound, but also like represent all my different moods, and like the different type of people I am, because I wear a lot of different hats throughout my life.
1: Yeah, I mean, throughout the whole record, it kind of caught me off guard. I'd listened to it a few times and then went back and realized that there was only actually one feature on it because there's such so many different kind of voices coming through which is really sick. And that one feature is from someone I actually have very little information on anywhere else, which is Leneik on No Lacking, which is a sick song. It's got kind of like a fee style beat and really minimal bassy stuff. How did that come together, and who is who is that guy? <laughs> who is
0: Leneik? Um, so I'll, I'll explain the story behind the song. I'll explain who Lenny is after that. Mm. So um, we made High On You um and it was the exact same session and we finished that and i was just like it was very like an emotional session like it's a very emotional song so i was just like i kind of was like in a down mood after that and i think he noticed so he's just like yeah this just makes a crazy hardship i was like okay sweet well i was like okay so he had to like fully convince me um, my other homie D Deville, who was in the studio as well, had like convinced me, and Lenny as well was in the studio, so they convinced me. I did the hook, um, and then I think I recorded the verse straight away, maybe, or Lenny recorded the verse straight away, um, and then it was just he. It, it was just a vibe. And um, one thing that people don't know is well, my homie D is doing, like all the ad adlibs throughout the whole song. Like if you actually listen, it's like it's neither of our voices. You know, just because I was so like even after I recorded the verse, I was still in such like a sad boy mood. I was just like, I don't want to do it either. I don't want to do anything. And he was just like, man, fuck you, bro. Like, give you the mic. I'm just gonna do it. So it was sick. But um, <clears throat> that's how the song came about. Um, and then Lenny, Lenny's like best friend. Like, he's, he's we grew up in Hamilton, New Zealand together, like, and we're like brothers, man. So, like, he moved here in July last year out there, me convincing him for, like, four months straight. Um, and then we made that. Like, I just, he's an insane rapper. Like, this dude is, like, has, like, a Lil Wayne brain. Like, you know, like, there's people that just have punchline after punchline after punchline, like, witty, witty shit. Like, I'm so excited for people to hear more of his stuff. Like, me and him working on a bunch of stuff and I've been working on tape, producing a tape for him. And we have a bunch of records. We have a bunch of records. So definitely look out for him. Linaik. Um His
1: Instagram is stuntman underscore Sick. Noted. Lenaik, I won't say Lenaik again, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a it's a mad track. It's such a funny image because it's such a obviously vibey track. I could just picture everyone having such a mad time and then not you kind of sad boy
0: sad boying out of yeah. the corner. And that's the thing, like the whole album I was super sad. Like I was really <laughs> depressed about making the whole album. So mm-hmm. that that was basically why I made it was to help me out of that. Yeah. It was like I wasn't feeling myself and I wow. You know, like I was mm. like, I need something to boost my ego, and my confidence, make me feel, like, big money So I was like, I'm like, wow. <laughs> and, like, the first bars are, like, me talking about, like,
1: my ex girl or something like that. I can't remember now. But, like, yeah, now nah, it's super sick, man. Yeah. I mean, on that note, how, how has that helped for you? Has it been a super therapeutic experience? How are you doing now?
0: Yeah, it's, it's been super, super, super good, man. Like, I feel... Like honestly, I think that was a blessing in not releasing the album last year as well. Like I think there was a lot of things still very raw for me, and I think if I had dropped it then, in like I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much. Mm -hmm. And we didn't do with those so many more songs. Like this is a side note going back to the feature that there was more features on the album, and like Mm -hmm. as we kept like going back to. And we had that whole last year to just listen to it and like live with it. I think that that was the huge factor. And I was just like, nah, like everything except for letting, like it just mm-hmm. needs to be me. Because as you said, like there's so many different voices I didn't really need. It. Um, but yeah, it was just mad therapeutic. Like the process of making the album was so therapeutic. I made so many different songs. I made a whole like love indie rock album throughout making that album as well like I made like four albums all at the same time um so it's just really me venting it out and then the difference I think it was really uh, having the opportunity to live with an album because I don't think a lot of artists get the opportunity or they're too gassed off making it to really sit with it for a long period of time but like we we're done in like November 2019 <laughs> So like we sat with it for so long mm. so like everything that was it
1: wasn't slightly up to the standard got cut off you referenced the um the indie rock album kind of thing you were working on which obviously comes through on um cupid interlude which has kind of this king cruel sort of sound to it um yeah. and was that I thought it was interesting that you'd labeled it as Cupid interlude, which I assume was kind of a warning that it's different, like very different to the rest of the tracks. Cause it's actually just as long as any other song on the album.
0: Yeah. It, yeah. It was like, yeah, I think it was just kind of like that. Um, but I think I'm not sure if the word is prefacing. Mm. It's it's, preface. Yeah. Trying to, yeah. Trying to preface it like by saying like, okay, this isn't, the same as everything else, mm. um, and in a lot of ways, just how um, like broken down and like raw it is felt more like an interlude or like a demo. Mm. Um, yeah, that out that song we didn't make, that's probably the only song we didn't make throughout those couple of years. Like, I've had that song since I was, I think, I must have been like 18 when I made it 18 mm. or 19 yeah and i was just like the certain songs and certain verses that i've just been like this is i've i just felt like it was too important for me to just release out of nowhere so i've literally sat on that song and you know for fact i'm like i need to put this on out, right like something to be like a really important take like not just some random shit mm. so like, i really love that song
1: yeah, I mean, I yeah, I almost feel bad saying it's my favorite song because it's just such an anomaly compared to the rest. But I do fucking love that track. And on it, you reference early on um, Reggie Snow, uh, who I know you toured with <laughs> in New Zealand. Yeah. Did you have much contact with him? Are you still in contact in any way? Um.
0: Yeah. Nah. Nah. Not really. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, um, that was actually weird. Sorry, so. Reggie came to New Zealand, and Nick, we did like, um, a tour together throughout New Zealand. super sick talk to the dude. I really liked the music. Mm. But um, at the time, I was dating this girl, and um, this girl called Georgia, mm. he, he used to like talk to her, and he was like in her dance long. And I didn't know anything until like the tour. So it was just super weird. And that's why I wrote Reggie Snow for my nights over Georgia because he has a song called Nights Over Georgia. And it was literally, I used to play Reggie Snow on my nights over Georgia, like, well, it's fucked up. It was it was, yeah, it was a weird one. But I love the dude. I have no animosity. It's like, it's super, super calm. It didn't happen while I was either way. So, but yeah, so that's just the interesting little story of why I put that
1: in there. Right, mm-hmm. that it all comes together now. That's such a good anecdote. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I have to, I know you probably don't want to talk about it too much because it, you know, it is the biggest track, as you mentioned before, but you did have Who You and you did mention um, how not like fully but like that New Zealand was slightly limiting and things like that. And yet I I assume Who You was released while you were in New Zealand then. Do you think like how did that kind of blow up in the way that it did what what happened to that track
0: so that what like even that wasn't really it was more of an anomaly so like what happened is that at the time i was in this group called LF which was uh La Friere this means the brothers and And it was just basically this crew in Hamilton that was just like hella stylish and like we used to just a kind of like a little ace mom type vibes which is all about fashion and big shit and like all dressed real fly so like we always hang out together and um they are all the boys that are in the video so when you drop the video there was a like a crazy push initially throughout hamilton and like throughout like the little cities because we were like the group was kind of known around the place um and then so that like kind of established it quite like, solid in New Zealand and in Hamilton. So I was like, probably like after that initial portion, something like 30,000, something like that, 30,000 views on YouTube. If that, maybe actually I was probably maybe, like 20 or 10 or something like that. I was just <laughs> super gassed, because like I never got views like that at all. Um, and then I think it hit like 30,000 um, and then I remember just going on it one day and I had like 88,000 like maybe like two hours and I was like, wait, what the fuck is going on? And then um, FaZe Has from FaZe Clan reached out to me. He's like, hey, I just put out a song on my video and like it's doing really well. He sent me through more songs. So me and him kind of like built a relationship. Uh, I would send him stuff and then we kind of just lost contact over the mm. years because I've obviously faced kind of fucking huge now. Mm. Like, so we just lost contact over the years because like, I kind of took like a break after not being able to release that first album. I took a break and like just jumped off social media and like, I think by the time I tried to contact him again, it was probably like, like fucking like 400,000 or shit. So like, my DMs are not going anywhere. Yet. Like, <laughs> It's, it's, it'll allow it, right? I might as well just try to send them pigeon mail or some shit. Like, <laughs> there's, there's no effort, there's no point. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's what happened. And then, bro, like if you search up KVK Who You, there's literally probably like 20 pages of Call of Duty montage. <laughs> like a ridiculous amount. And what I did as well is that I used to go like page by page, like, video by video you, you might still be able to see a lot of them like I said thank you to like everyone for like like maybe like a year I'll just find videos and say thank you and just go through page by page by page and like I think that made people fuck with me a bit more mm-hmm. but I've never really had too much love in New Zealand like that like it, mm-hmm. it's a huge song in New Zealand but like more people in, like, Germany and, like, Berlin and, like, America. But a lot of people in Europe really like my show.
1: It's it's like yeah I saw that on a bunch of your videos and I I didn't know if that was actually the sole cause but it's like hello from like Slovakia or something like that like saw you on an MW two yeah. video I'm like what surely that's not actually how this happened but I remember that was how I ended up when I was like young like getting into logic and stuff like that he had the same kind of thing through phase and it's definitely yeah. you know and it becomes super formative music to these kids because like way later on in life they're just like oh fuck yeah I remember this from that cog montage like. Dude, honestly, like that—that
0: that was that's a huge thing. People still, um, people still message me all the time. that, like, "Dude, I remember when I was like 14 and I heard who you. Like, I'm so happy that you're still making music. Like, dude, you're like my childhood." And I'm like, "That's that's fucking sick. Like, I can't really ask for more than that. Like, you just wanna, you want your music
1: to just have some sort of impact on people. That's, that's about it." Yeah, 100%. If only we could get all of the, the Europeans over here for a concert, <laughs> that would be ideal. Right. like,
0: I, I need to get to Brazil, Brazil, oh, yeah. Poland, and Germany. They really fuck with me. <laughs> like, I like, love like, like, my numbers over there are probably quite similar to here, to be quite honest. True. Sure. Yeah, so it's fucked. But yeah, survive. I like them.
1: Yeah, no, it's mad. It's got to feel surreal but also fucking sick and then to get back to to the latest album we get to the final track which is heaven um which again has a slightly different tone and vibe to the rest of the tracks led by these kind of beautiful synths it kind of feels like more like a something james blake or bon Iver or something might jump on rather than the stuff you were doing earlier on even towards the end it kind of feels like reminds me of runaways by kanye which is obviously Large praise. <laughs> um, yeah, so, like, so much, what does that track mean to you? And I guess, like, is is heaven a, a directly religious thing, or is it more of a something you you know a metaphor or a state of mind or something like that?
0: Um, it's both. Like, uh, I grew up in church my whole life. My friends are pastors. Like, so I have my own very individual relationship with God and understanding of what God is, um, but yeah it's always it's definitely a religious thing like there's always that thing of like hey i do some pretty messed up shit and i've done shit in my life that i probably shouldn't have and i'm not the greatest person so it's like I, I want to get that to am i answer so always that question and then it's also just a representation of trying to make it and like i do not really want to be like trying to make it united you know, heaven specifically because i think it's, it's very subjective to whoever's listening to the song if you are singing to the song whatever your idea of heaven could be something completely different to mine you know so i wanted it to be very subjective and personal to whoever's listening to it so um yeah it's just that journey of just trying to make it get out of like a dark ass place and I, I mentioned purgatory, and I feel like purgatory is really just this middle ground of not really being like, I'm not no one, but I'm not someone yet. Mm. So I'm just like in this awkward limbo. And also that reflects in in religious terms, and that reflects as well in terms of like, I'm not in hell, but I'm not in heaven, I'm not on earth, in this weird little middle ground trying to do enough that I can make it into heaven. So... Mm-hmm like works in both senses and like even like when you mentioned the production and everything it's like we wanted it to, the ending to be real grandiose because of that like i wanted it you to visualize like having gates opening it's like like that's sort of it but then there's also the sense of like melancholy to it as well which like I guess it's maybe me and my questioning of religion or questioning of whether or not the heaven that I've made it to is really where I need to be, or if this is really going to make me happy, you know, so I wanted it. Even the last note, we left it like we didn't, um, It was to resolve the chord progression. Like it finishes on like the third note to leave like tension of like does he make it in heaven is it heaven or is he in hell and he doesn't understand you know so yeah that that song is beautiful and I really yeah I love that song and like the verse is just all about me trying to make it like I say one of the best and most important lines to me is that um like living this lifestyle living this life where I live. There's never no guidance. How many guys died like this? And then it's like, I pray to the Lord as I drive through the mist because it's like, it feels like that. You know, he's just like, I pray I make it. You know, like this is this this road looks janky as fuck. And like, but you just kind of have to close your eyes and drive through and like just hope for the best. So yeah, those that really that always resonates with me every time I listen to it.
1: Sure. Thanks for that. That was, yeah, kind of exactly what I had hoped I would hear about the song because it was, yeah, it felt super meaningful. And I knew that like a lot had had gone into that one. And I imagine you were uh, in sad boy mode for a little while, or maybe just like mixed emotion mode for a while after Uh, that. That was like
0: the saddest. That was like the most sad boy shit. (laughs) Like I made that song literally to make me feel good. And I remember the day I made it being broke as fuck, leaving the studio and jumping on like a tram or a train. And I think the last tram from the station near my place, like it stopped or some shit. It was going to be super late. And I just remember walking and listening to it on repeat and like bawling my eyes out, walking in the rain and getting to like this park by my house and just dancing for like a good 30 minutes just to the song. Because originally it was a lot like the drums were a lot more housey
1: because
0: mm. I, I literally just made it as something that i like, I just need something that I can dance to and feel good about. And I like, just feel like it's going to be okay. Really, yeah. that's it. And yeah, I, I'm just really happy that it resonates with people and they're built into an album because this is, it was literally just my therapy. Like, yeah, so it's beautiful.
1: Thanks for having the chat today. Do you have anything else to say to, to the guys out there?
0: Yeah, so... Um, firstly, thank you so much for the opportunity to come up here and, like, just talk shit about my album. Um, I really appreciate it. I appreciate everyone that's listening to it. Um, it really means a lot to me. Like, I've come from, I think, just mainly, I want people to understand that I've come from a place where, you no know, people don't get these opportunities and people's stories aren't spoken about. And most, like, New Zealand's a small enough place. Like, Hamilton is really not a place that anyone else can live any other part of the world we know about. So, like, I really appreciate people giving a fuck, like, <laughs> more than I think anyone will ever really understand. Um, so keep listening to the album. Uh, follow the homie Stuntman, Lanaiq, and watch out for his stuff. Uh, follow Mirage Records. Um, there's more stuff coming on the way. Um, and we have a show April 9th. Um, so that's going to be a madness let watch out for that and pull up. It's gonna be like crazy. Bring elbow pads, knee pads, because I wanna mosh pit. So come prepared, mouth guards and all. <laughs>
1: That wraps up that interview, Sin Hip Hop Fam. But don't you worry, there's plenty more. You can always listen into our show from 8 p.m. every Wednesday on 90.7 FM or sin.org.au. In the meantime, have a look at our socials. Just search Sin Hip Hop on Instagram, Facebook, and Omni.